You're listening to the Epic Living Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I'm Jim Simcoe, and I'm here to help you make your life epic. So let's get rolling. Hey, this is Jim. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's podcast is all about believing in yourself, and I'm dedicating this podcast to my three younger brothers, Paul, Johnny, and Ryan, who are 23, 21, and 19, respectively. I hope I'm getting your ages right. They live south of Boston, and you know, I think about them a lot. We, we text all the time about uh, the New England Patriots or the Celtics or any kind of sports uh, Red Sox that are happening. They live uh, just south of Boston, and I'm on the West Coast, so texting each other is the way, the main way we stay in touch. Although over the last couple of years, they've all started to come out and visit me here in, Cal- in uh, gorgeous California. So anyway, this is all about believing in yourself. This is dedicated to you guys, um, because I think as young men, this is something you need to know. And I think that, you know, there's something everyone needs to know, but I think this is really geared for young men and, and trying to find your place in the world. And one of the best ways to do that, one of the best ways to start figuring that out and have a really strong foundation is really, really believing in yourself. And I think that that's, you know, this is so important for everybody. You know, it's really the key to success in life. It, it The more you're able to believe in yourself, then the more you're able to reduce the amount of fear in your life. And I think that there are so many people who are just, just completely in constant, in constant fear and they don't know how to get out of their own way and they're just afraid of doing anything. And, and it's largely because they don't really believe in themselves. So we'll talk a little bit about belief today and what it means to believe in yourself and how do you, how do you increase the level of belief in yourself. And one of the nice things about when you do believe in yourself is it really does allow you to make mistakes to fail and to, and to F up. <laughs> and I really think that failure in a lot of ways is a great catalyst for growth. And the most, you know, the more you fail, the more you grow. And hopefully you fail, uh, hopefully you fail a lot in your life. Cause I think that I look back on my life <clears throat> and I think of the times that I've failed and, and I've grown from each one. I can remember the very first company I ever started, Satori Wireless with my, my good friend, Naomi Rosen. Um, and in the beginning, it went great. And I got an investor who was from France. and He gave us a, you know, a bunch of money to start this company. We were selling wireless phones. And this is back in 2000. What's this? It's like 2001, maybe? Maybe 2000. No, I'm sorry. It was earlier than that. It was like 1999. Anyway, so we did that. And then the business just ended up drying up. And we ended up not being able to sell too much. And we spent too much on rent, spent too much money going out. And so, so there's too much money going out, not enough money coming in. And we closed the business. So uh, unfortunately, while it was a huge failure, you know, while it was a failure, I learned a ton from it and I learned a lot of what not to do in future businesses. And thank God that when I did that business, you know, I, I didn't have to raise millions and millions of dollars. I only had to raise, you know, less than a hundred grand to make that happen. So it ended up working out. Okay. And the cool thing about failure, in my opinion, is that there's, when you're, <clears throat> when you're okay with failing, you know, there's a lot of freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom so that you can, um, you know, you can take more risks because you're not worried about failing. Like, obviously you don't want to fail. Like nobody wants to fail. I've never wanted to fail. But when you do fail, if you equate it with growth and you're able to learn something from it, then you can take greater risks in it and you're not afraid of it. And I think that's really the biggest key. Now, in listening to this podcast, you know, before we get into the steps of how to believe in yourself, there are a couple of assumptions I need you to make. And the very first assumption you need to make I need you to really believe is that that you're human, okay, and that everyone in the history of the world has been human, 
and has failed and has had massive success and you're just like them. So you, we are all like Michael Jordan and Oprah and Richard Branson and Anthony Kiedis, the chili peppers. Um, you know, we're, we're all humans. So I need you to make that assumption. Like, look, I'm a human too. And I'm worth just as much as some billionaire guy on wall street. And I'm worth just as much as mother Teresa or Angelina Jolie or Dalai Lama, whoever it is, because we're all humans. So that's the first assumption. The second assumption, which we talked about just briefly is that you will fail. You're going to fail a lot and you're going to fail at a lot of different things. And I can tell you, you know, in my own personal example, you know, I'm a pretty good, um, I'm pretty good in front of a crowd, right? So I've given tons of speeches all across the country and, you know, I've taught people how to do public speaking, blah, 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 blah. So I'm pretty good at that. That's one been one of my successes, but I am probably the worst dancer that you'll ever meet. And worse than being the worst dancer is that I think I'm a good dancer. And that is a horrible combination, right? I mean, that's like, that's like the worst thing you can have is like someone who's a, who's a horrible dancer, but thinks that they're a good dancer. And, and you're right now listening to somebody just like that. So I fail at that all the time. Like, you know, and I know that dancing isn't really something that's objective and you can, and you can judge it. But believe me, if you've ever seen me dance, you would look at me and say, yeah, you know what? He's right. He actually is a horrible dancer and he really shouldn't do that. And again, the worst thing is that I think I'm a good dancer. So, you know, everybody in the history of time is human or was human. Dalai Lama, Deepak, Tupac. Uh, I think there are a lot of lessons to be learned from Deepak and Tupac combined together, but that's a podcast for a different day. So that's the biggest assumption I need you to make that, that you know, that you're going to be okay with failing and that, you're gonna, and, and that you're human and that everyone else has been human before you. And that, that is, um, and that's a good thing. So let's talk a little bit about how to believe in yourself and the actual steps you need to take to make that happen. And the very first one is that you really need to establish your values, your personal manifesto, you know, what is your line in the sand? What do you believe in? Why is it important? And what are the non-negotiables for you? And what I want to, the way to do this is to sit in a room with a yellow pad of paper and a pen and just start writing down what's important to you. What do you believe in? Like, how do you believe kids should be raised? How do you believe, you know, your career should go? How do you believe you should choose to live your life? Like, you know, as a very, you know, easy example, some people would put right down that, like, I believe that, um, you know, nobody should swear and I shouldn't swear. And that might be a personal belief of somebody's or someone might say, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I'm never going to eat meat. That's a personal belief of somebody's. Or, you know, God is incredibly important in my life. So I'm going to go to church five times, you know, five times a week. And that's really important. So write down what your beliefs are. And I think the thing is, is like, this is something that most of us do not do. And I think, I think it's incredibly valuable to do it because it really will help you line up um, kind of where you are in the world and what's important to you and what's not important to you and really get to the, the non-negotiable side of your life and, and, and really draw that line in the sand and say like, hey man, this is what I stand for. I don't care who, I, I don't care who likes it. I don't care who doesn't like it. This is just not changing for me. And one of the concepts I want to talk about in that is that the rule of 100% versus 98%. So I can't remember where I read this, but, um, and I think it might've been, I can't remember what the guy's name is. He's a motivational speaker and I can't remember who it was. It wasn't Jim Rome. It'll come to me and then I'll say it because um, I clearly cannot remember it now. I know the guy's name is, the first name has changed, but anyway, I digress. So what he said was it's a lot easier to have a hundred because hundred percent commitment to something than a 98% commitment to something. 
Because when you've got 100% of some commitment to something, um, there's no room for negotiation, and it's really clear what you're doing and what you're not doing. And when you've got 98% uh, commitment to something, well, this, you've got that 2% room for negotiation and 2% where it's not clear. So as an example, if someone says, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to eat sugar anymore, um, that's an easy one. That's like you just check all your food, make sure that you just don't ever have sugar ever, right? So that's 100% commitment to something. If someone says, like, look, I'm not going to eat sugar 98% of the time, well, what does that really mean? Does that mean that they're going to have sugar, like, once a week? How much of that sugar are they going to have? Are they going to measure it out? Like, it's a total pain in the ass. So that, that's, not way, that's not the way to go. Go for 100%. Follow the rule of 100%. Um, and I'll give you an example in my own personal life about, in 1999, um, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, showed me a movie called The Witness. And it was all about this construction worker in New York who... It's a long story, but basically it was an ex-drug addict, somehow found a kitten, uh, was taking care of this kitten, and started looking at the family, or excuse me, the factory farm process of where we get our meats in the, in the country. So started going behind the scenes, scenes to all these farms and started seeing it. Um, and so this movie's all about animal protection, you know, reducing animal cruelty. And basically, the gist of the movie is that, you know, none of us should eat meat. Now... When I saw this movie, I ate meat three times a day. And I, you know, I had a bacon in the morning, turkey at lunch, and steak at dinner. I mean, like, I just, that was like the staple, you know, it was more than a staple. It was, it was, you know, that's all I really ate. And after that movie, I decided, for my own personal beliefs, I did not want to support the family, the factory farming industry anymore. So I gave up meat. And that was in 1999. And I haven't had, I haven't had meat since then. And, while I would never put my ethics on somebody else and it's a personal decision and you know, you need to make your own decisions when it comes to that or anything else. I will tell you that it was much easier for me to commit to a hundred percent on that than 98%. It was something where I just said like, look, I'm just not doing this ever again. And I haven't. And, and, and I don't ever think about it. If, if it's on the menu and, or if it's in something I want to eat, I just don't eat it. And it's really easy to stay within that hundred percent commitment. You know, if I said, you know, if I was going to commit 98% to it, then I'd have to like think about every meal. I'm like, well, does it have a tiny bit of bacon in it? Is that okay? Whatever. No, you just commit to a hundred percent of whatever you believe. And then, and then, you know, and then it works, works out great. And, you know, that was in 1999 and this is 2015. So that's 16 years I haven't had meat after having it three times a day. And it's all due to that hundred percent commitment to it. So that's the first thing is you really want to establish your values, your personal manifesto, your line in the sand. What are you committed to 100%? What is non-negotiable for you? And what that will, you know, when you do all this, what it really does is it really will clarify in your mind who you are as a person and what you believe in. You know, what are the things that are, are going to be key for you in your life? Now, the second thing to do, um, I know that uh, one of the biggest challenges when you're establishing belief in yourself is like you say, well, I'm just, I'm just not that good at anything or, you know, I've had kind of a boring life and. You know, the things that I'm good at aren't that important. And, and really, that's all crap. Um, so I'm going to tell you, like, the, the what you got to do in the second step on here is to really ask yourself the awesome questions, okay? So what's awesome about me? Why do people like me? Why do people love me? What am I awesome at? What am I better at than anybody else? And what can I do? You know, here's the, here's the running joke I always say to people. is like, you know, what could you do one-handed with five, with five vodka tonics in you? Like, what could you just do blind, off the cuff, without even thinking about it? Like, for me, 
That would be going out and giving a speech, going out and coaching somebody. Uh, it would not be, you know, running spreadsheets all day. I mean, that's just not something I'm fantastic at. I can do it, but I'm not that great at it. So think about what you're good at. What do people tell you you're good at? What do people like about you? What do people come to you with questions about? Like what, you know, are you a person who like is really good at cars? Are you someone who is really good at giving advice to your friends? Are you really good at, you know, it could be anything. It could be sewing. Are you good at yoga? You know, are you good at um, fantasy football? You know, one of my brothers or two of my brothers are really, really good at fantasy football. That's something that, although may just seem kind of funny on the surface, you know, really does take a lot of research and, and, and a little bit of acumen to figure out like what teams are good, what teams are, you know, what teams aren't. And Ryan and Johnny are really good at that. Paul and I are not good at fantasy football, although we like it. And although I think Paul won it last year, but anyway, so think of, ask yourselves the awesome questions of what am I good at? What do, you know, what's awesome about me? Like, am I a great person to talk to? Am I a loyal friend? You know, am I always there for my friends? Am I always there for my family? Am I quick to help others? You know, whatever it is, you got to make a list of the things that you're awesome at and what makes you awesome. Because again, what we're trying to do here is increase your your belief in yourself. And one of the ways to do that is we need you to see, need you to see how valuable you are, how valuable you are to the world and, and that you're just not this tiny little microcosm in this huge sea of humanity. It's like you are, you matter and you are important. And God, that sounds kind of cheesy when I say it out loud, but I mean, I really do mean that. So anyway, <clears throat> so that's the second step. The third step to really increase belief in yourself is to lean on your past successes. Because really, at the end of the day, past performance is a great predictor of future success. You know, for me, as an example, I've started several businesses and I've been successful largely in each one of them. Um, I've, you know, I've got two daughters. Um, so, you know, and with Kaya, when she was an infant, we were successful at, you know, keeping her alive and making sure she ate, you know, maybe making sure she ate. And now, you know, with Noah, when she was an infant, I, I was, I was, I had belief in myself that I could make sure that she'd be okay and make sure I could keep her alive and make sure that, uh, you know, she'd be fine because I'd already done it with Kaya. So I had past performance in this. Same thing when I played football. So I've played football for the last 20 years and I'm not the tallest person out there. I'm not the fastest person out there. I'm not the quickest person out there. But I believe that I've had enough successes. I've won enough Super Bowls. I've made enough, you know, great catches and uh, scored enough touchdowns to know that, you know, there probably isn't a league, you know, in my age group that I couldn't run with and do really well in. I mean, I just have that belief because my past performance has shown that I am good at football. So, Anyway, so lean on your past beliefs and and realize that if you've done it before, um, there's a strong chance that you can do it again. You know, you need, so you need to think about that. You need to think about the things that like, you've been successful at and think about like, okay, you know, like if you're, uh, as an example, let's say you're in college and you made it through freshman year and you got decent grades, and but you're really stressing out about sophomore year and you're really stressing out about you know, God, you know, this is going to be so much harder. Pharmacy school's, you know, ridiculous. Um, uh, my brother Ryan's in pharmacy school with his with his buddy Robbie. Um, you know, you don't need to think back of it. And you need to think like, okay, well, look, I made it through freshman year. So why wouldn't I be able to make it through sophomore year? Past performance is a great predictor of future success. And the key is, it's really not the thing that you did. It's just that the fact that you were successful. Okay, so keep that in mind. It's not about the thing and what you what you did. It's more about the fact that you 
tried to do something and you were successful doing it. And the next step in increasing the belief in yourself and increasing your self-belief is to really accept the inalienable truth about other people in the world. And that is that they are scared too. They are unsure. They don't want to look stupid either. You know, and on a daily basis, you know, you see their daily highlight reel. You do not see them usually when they're upset, when they're crying, when they're snoring, or when they're drooling in their bed. Like you just don't see that. You see their best public self. And you walk around with yourself all day long and you see yourself 24 hours a day. So you see that, you know, you see the good and bad in yourself. You largely only see the good in other people. You only see the best um, of what people are putting out there on a regular basis. Like, so, you know, if you're at a coffee shop, for example, you know, you take a look around, you say, say you're at a coffee shop or you're at the gym or whatever, you take a look around and you see like the most beautiful girl you've ever seen in yoga pants. And she's just gorgeous and her hair's thrown back and she's laughing and, you know, while she's drinking her latte and you're like, God, how could I ever be with a girl like that? She's perfect. And I am just a complete, uh, bump on a log. She would never notice me. Well, you know what? Guess what? That girl today woke up with bad breath, um, probably had diarrhea and she probably thinks she's fat. You know, and maybe she hates her body. So, you know, again, you're only seeing her best self, in her best public self. You're not seeing, you know, what she faces behind the scenes. And, and I got to tell you, for you young guys out there, um, um, I felt just like you when I was younger. And I would, I, I would be like, I would look at, you know, uh, you know, a gorgeous woman and think like, wow, you know, that girl could never go out with me. Why would she ever want to go out with me? And what I've learned as I get older and having daughters and being married is that like, you know what, that hot girl that you're looking at, is probably as freaked out as you are, you know, um, and, and is probably uh, as nervous as you are about being approached by you as you are of approaching her. So just keep that in mind, you know, um, both sexes have insecurities and uncertainties that we all face. So just accept that about us. A big part of accepting this is like, everyone is like you. Everyone is feeling unsure, uncertain a lot of the time. And this is not, this is not just you who's feeling that most people feel that way. So don't think that, uh, that, you know, that you're unique in that way because you're, you're probably not. And really don't compare someone else's highlight reel, what, you know, their public highlight reel to your 24 seven behind the scenes, um, uh, life with the goods and bads. And a quick side note here. I'm sorry if the audio sounds a little choppy. There's for some reason, there's a garbage truck that is like parked behind our office that is either. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but they're, they've been out there and just beeping their thing for, for a little bit. So I keep trying to edit them out. But again, editing is not something I'm great at. So thank you, Evelyn, for doing what you can with this. Evelyn is our um, uh, audio auditor based out of Bosnia. I've never met her, but she does great work. She edits everything really fast. So I love working with her. So anyway, Evelyn, have fun with this one. Anyway, back to, back to the topic. So, you know, don't compare someone else's highlight reel to your behind the scenes total life. Now, the next thing to really improve your belief in yourself is that you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're going to have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You can have to be comfortable not knowing something. You're not, you're going to have to be comfortable not knowing whether you're going to be accepted, whether people are going to laugh at you. You know, you're going to have to put yourself in a place where you could potentially get rejected. And, and the thing about this is, is that, very few people are comfortable being uncomfortable. Once you get to the point of being comfortable being uncomfortable, it's incredibly liberating because now you're not worried about what other people think. You're not worried about, you know, how other people are going to 
look at you and you're also not worried about getting rejected. And I think a big result of that is that you get rejected less and that things tend to work out for you because you're not worried about the outcome. So being uncomfortable with, uh, excuse me, being comfortable with being uncomfortable is really a key tenet in having more belief in yourself. And the more you're able to do that, the more you're able to grow and you know, the better off you're going to be long-term. You know, how do I know this? Well, because I'm 45 years old and I've probably made a lot more mistakes than you'll ever make. I've made thousands and thousands and thousands of mistakes. And I can tell you um, that I've grown to be custom and be, I've grown to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And uh, so I can tell you from my own life, and I think it's probably true for your life too. The better you are being comfortable with being uncomfortable, the better life is and the, the easier things will be. Trust me. Trust me on this one. You don't have to love it. Um, you definitely don't have to love it, but you can trust me on it. So, all right, so let's get into the next thing. Let's talk about why, you know, another way to increase your own self-belief. And, the, and this one is pretty important. This one is to realize that you're actually stronger. You're significantly stronger than you think, my friend. You are more capable and more, more resilient than you can even imagine. And as humans, this is just how we're programmed, right? So this is not just you. This is the entire human race. And there are a thousand examples, you know, millions of examples of people being significantly stronger and and tougher than you would have expected. So like one one example that I always like to use is the um, <clears throat> if you've seen the movie Alive, which is based on the uh, the, the uh, Uruguayan um, uh, Air Force Flight 571, also known as the Andes Flight Disaster. This is the one where it's the rugby team. They crash in the Andes. It was a chartered flight carrying about 45 people. A bunch of them died. This happened in 1972. So a bunch of them died. Uh, 27 of them ended up being alive after a couple of days. And then there was another avalanche. More of them died there. So there are basically 16 uh, survivors um, that were rescued about two months later, about 75 days later. So these guys basically lived for two, two and a half months at an altitude of 11,000 feet after suffering through a freaking plane crash. So let me say that again. They crash in the mountains, in the snow, at 11,000 feet, and end up um, surviving. And the two of the dudes end up uh, rescuing everybody because they, they end up walking out of the mountains and uh, getting into Chile. Which is, which is, you know, they, they find somebody, they, you know, they do a 10 day trek across the Andes and then they find, um, somebody, you know, they walk to Chile, they find Sergio Catalan who gives them food and, you know, alerts the authorities and then they go pick up everybody else. So this is an amazing testament of the strength and the perseverance that is in each one of us. Because there's no way these people should have lived through this, right? There's no way, you know, people should have been able to live, um, at that altitude in the snow um, for two months. This is impossible. And then if you can imagine after being up there for two months, if you can imagine saying like, okay, you know, I haven't really eaten anything good in two months. I'm, you know, I lost a ton of weight and I just went through a freaking plane crash. Now I'm going to go walk 10 miles in this direction just to see if I can find someone who can help us. I mean, it's just amazing that those guys were able to do it. I mean, geez, you know, like I stress out if I've got to walk, you know, a quarter mile to the Whole Foods or if there's a line at Whole Foods and these guys are just, you know, they're, they're, they're walking out of the Andes mountains and again at 11,000 feet. So trust me when I tell you that you are significantly stronger than you think you are. And 
you know, and I'll give you another kind of example around that of, of, of on the, on the, I would say the much shallower end of the pool, um, being stronger and being, uh, having the ability to put yourself out there when you're, you know, when you're scared out of your mind. When I was in college, my best friend, Jim Egan, um, great guy, uh, total beastie boy and chili pepper maniac like me. So him and I became fast friends in school. We we're sitting around one night and there's actually, I believe it was actually on my birthday because he, he was, they threw me a surprise birthday party. And so it was his job to keep me occupied. So for whatever reason, we're doing shots of Southern comfort, which I haven't drank since then because I got significantly sick. Um, and I'm not a big drinker. Probably one of the reasons I'm not a big drinker is that evening. But anyway, I'm sitting around doing shots of Southern comfort and I'm like, Hey man, we should start a band. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, well, we don't play anything though. And I was like, all right, well, that's not a big deal. Like, you know, you play drums. And, and he's like, okay, cool. What are you going to do? And I said, uh, I'll sing. And obviously that was a Southern comfort talking. And I don't know what I was thinking because I'm not a singer. I've never taken voice lessons. And, you know, I don't think I have the, the greatest voice in the world from a singing perspective, but fast forward a couple of months and we get a band together and we are about to play at our very first gig in the quad jam room, which is this old dingy basement room of our dorm and there's probably there's probably a hundred people in there we're about to go on stage and i was scared out of my mind i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe that i had come up with this idea and i was about to go and sing in front of all my friends and a bunch of people i didn't a bunch of people i didn't know and i was a freshman in college and i was like oh my god like if I have this up, I'm like screwed for the next four years. This has been like the worst experience of my life. So I've never, you know, and I've been in, I've been in earthquakes. I've been in hurricanes. I've been in really sketchy surf situations. And I've been in New York city at three o'clock in the morning with five bucks, wondering how I'm going to get home. And I've never been as scared as I was, as when we were about to go on stage as our first gig at Bafa Bafa. So you know, that take, that took a, a pretty significant amount of strength for me to go out there and push through that and be resilient, you know, to get through that because I was scared out of our mind and, and I just didn't think I could do it. I was like, I'm never going to remember these words. I'm not going to be able to sing. I don't have a voice for this. And, and, and I was like, everyone's going to hate us. Like everyone's going to hate us and I'm going to have no friends. And like in an hour when we're done, I will have no friends. That's basically what I was thinking when I went up there. So, you know, so, you know, uh, fast forwarding this, this incredibly long story is that it was an ex incredibly successful experience. Everybody loved us. We went to play for another uh, four years. We actually even went and got paid to play two times um, in the local uh, New York area. And it was a fantastic experience. Loved it. It was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Felt fantastic doing it. But I got to tell you, Right before I started, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm pulling this off. Like, this is going to be a, just a complete uh, bloodbath. So what I would suggest to you, based on these kind of examples, is think of three times that you did something that you didn't think you could do. And, and how did it feel? Like, was it liberating? Was it freeing? You know, I would tell you, it probably, meant, it probably felt freaking awesome, right? So if you've done things like that, and we know humans, you know, being human beings, we're conditioned to do things like that, what makes you think you couldn't do it again? Right? So just appreciate how resilient we are as human beings and how strong you actually are, you know, whether you realize it or not. You know, I, I'm here to tell you, like, you're a lot stronger than you think you are. Because believe me, if I'm strong enough to go up and sing in front of 100 people, 
without knowing the words and with having no singing voice and no practice, then God knows you're probably 10 times stronger than that. So remembering that you are strong is really, really key. The next thing is to ignore the noise. Okay, I want you to ignore the noise. Forget about the, haste, the haters. Forget about the naysayers. You know, no matter what you do, your true friends and your family won't hate on you. They'll support you no matter what. And haters are like Fox News. You know, they need something to hate and you are their current target. Hating you, hating on you is all about them and not, it has nothing to do with you. It's all about them and nothing to do with you. So just ignore that noise. It's not supporting you. And if it's not helping you, it's not even worth listening to. So as an example, Muhammad Ali, you know, the boxer, I'm sure you know, obviously, his very first professional fight uh, for the championship belt, he was fighting Sonny Liston. But this is back in 1964, right? And so there was a ton of noise, tons of media basically saying like, look, Ali has no chance. Sonny Liston is a beast. I mean, his nickname was The Bear. And he was just a beast. You know, people actually thought in the media, we're reporting in the media, they're like, you know, Ali's actually going to get really hurt against Liston. And some actually thought he was going to die in the ring. And like, they were telling him like, look, you should fight this guy. This is like, you know, this is the worst thing in the world you could do. Anyway, you know, what Muhammad Ali did besides, you know, talk smack the entire time was he did a really good job of ignoring the noise. So he didn't buy into what the haters and the naysayers said about him because he had ultimate belief in himself and he knew he was going to win. He was very, very confident in himself and he had a ton of self-belief. And the uh, results of this is he went in there and he kicked his ass. He went in there and kicked Sonny Liston's ass and he, you know, beat him up and drove him around the ring and, and it was way too fast for Sonny. And in the seventh round, uh, beginning of seventh round, Liston didn't want to fight anymore. He spit out his mouthpiece and Ali got uh, got the victory in the seventh round from uh, from a technical knockout. So this is, to me, probably one of the best examples of just ignoring the noise. Forget the haysayers or the, the haters and the naysayers. You know, don't listen to those knuckleheads. They're not going to get anything. You know, they're they're not they're not there to give you something positive in your life or provide a positive thing in your life. They're there to try and tear you down because they're probably super insecure and they don't like to see other people be successful. Uh, one of the things that I do because I've obviously had a lot of naysayers and haters in my life, um, both work wise and and sports wise or whatever else is like my one of my big things is I really get a kick out of proving them wrong. So I love I love when someone talks smack to me on the court, on the football field, or you know, you know, passive aggressively at work. I mean I love that. It's the best thing in the world. I love hearing it because I get a kick out of proving them wrong. Because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect me because they're not my friends and you know, they're just talking smack because they have issues. And so when you're able to prove them wrong, it really kind of like, uh, uh, it's just a great, great, great feeling. And I'm sure that there are probably other podcasters, bloggers, uh, life people in the world who tell you, you know, like, hey, you know, you shouldn't get a kick out of that. It's probably not a great thing. It's not great energy, blah, blah, blah. And they're probably right. And I'm probably being somewhat infantile, but I will tell you that I get a big kick at approving people wrong. And I would tell you that you will get a big kick at approving people wrong when you do it. I just think it's fantastic. So I recommend it highly. Um, the next thing, the very last thing I want to say, and you know, I've talked about this, this is a reoccurring theme in this podcast and the podcast I have is like, you know, to really increase your self-belief um, and how to increase your, you know, your belief in yourself is to sweat it out. So exercise. Exercise dramatically increases your belief in yourself because it exhibits discipline. You have to be disciplined, disciplined to exercise. It also releases endorphins, like those feel good. Uh, feel good feelings. 
Um, you know, like my daughter, my nine-year-old daughter, as an example, you know, anytime she's feeling down, I always, you know, she's probably sick of me saying it, but I always say like, look, you need to exercise more, eat more protein or drink more water. So basically my answer for just about any, not, you know, not feeling good problems that she has. Cause I really believe it my, for myself. Um, like I said before in a previous podcast, when I was sick with pneumonia for, um, for six weeks and I couldn't exercise, I was going nuts. I was going nuts and I'm sure it was a horrible person to be around, um, around cause I was just, just bummed out. And I really was having all kinds of mood swings and just like, you know, didn't really believe in myself and just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I gotta say, after, after sweating it out and getting back to working out, I'm back to my normal self. I've got tons of self-belief and I really believe I'm doing the right thing and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I really believe that sweating it out is key because here, here's the other piece of this is that every step that you take is a validation of you doing something. Okay. You're not just sitting on the couch. So even when you're working out, even if you're just going for a walk, what your brain hears when you're moving or you're working out is like, Hey, you just moved a foot. And then your brain says, Hey, you moved a foot and we didn't die. And then your brain says, Hey, this is good. Let's do more. So it's really telling you like, look, sweat it out because your self belief will increase because each time you do something and exercise, um, and you go a little farther, that tells you subconsciously that you have the ability to go farther and you're stronger. Okay. And you're more resilient. And that's stuff that increases your self-belief. Um, I can tell you the very first time I ever went running, you know, when I was training for a marathon, I mean, I think the first, the most I had run in college is I probably had run two miles for lacrosse training. And first time I went running, I think I did three and a half and I was dying. Like that was the worst run I think I've ever had, you know, in my life up until that point. Probably still is the worst run I've ever had, even compared to marathons uh, that I've run. I mean, it's just like, you know, just miserable. So, but I did it. And the next time I went out, I think I did five miles. So the idea here is like you push your body and what that tells your brain is like, look, we can go farther than we think, which is a huge and dramatic, you know, shot to yourself, um, self beliefs. It really helps you believe in yourself because you're like, Hey man, I'm going, this is freaking great. Like I went farther than I thought I could have gone. And like, how awesome is that? So anyway, Sweat it out and your self-belief will increase. So I hope this podcast has been helpful. You know, they're just in closing, there's really no magic, you know, no magic formula to increase your self-beliefs, but hopefully I've given you some ideas to think about for you to do it. Um, these are the keys to get you going. You know, you really don't need anything else. You don't need to do any self-help classes or read tons and tons of books about this. This is, this is really all you need. You know, be, you know, and one of the big keys, like I said before, is being uncomfortable or being comfortable with being uncomfortable. You know, if you're able to do that, you'll see that your belief in yourself and your success will skyrocket because your belief, the higher your belief in yourself um, is directly proportional to your success in what you do in your life. So, you know, when you're doing this, as your belief system increases and as you believe in yourself more and more and more, the results you can expect are that people are going to look at you differently. People just look at people differently when you exude, exude confidence and belief. You know, you're seen as a leader. You're seen as someone who's stronger than most people. You're seen as someone who to be connected to, someone to work with, someone that they want on their side. In many ways, you're wanted, you know, you're desired, and you're coveted. People want to be around strong people. It gives them a sense of comfort. It also gives them a sense of hope. So when you are a confident person who exudes self-belief, people look at you and they say, God, I want to be like that guy. Or I want to be like that girl. You know, it, it's a comforting thing for them. And it also gives them hope because they say, hey, 
that guy doesn't look that much different than I, than I do. Maybe I could be like that. You know, maybe I have a chance like that. And that's one of the greatest things about it is like, the more you believe in yourself, the better example you're serving for others, which I think is a huge, huge piece of this. And really at the end of the day, belief begets success and more success begets more belief. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, it's, it's the greatest self, it's the greatest self-fulfilling prophecy in the world. I had an espresso about two hours ago. It's the first one I've had in a couple of weeks. So you probably could tell. Uh, but yeah, it's the greatest self-fulfilling prophecy in the world, you know, because if you think you're strong, you're right. And if you think you're, you know, like, and if you're acting confident, you are, and these are, these are great things. So hopefully this podcast has been helpful. Um, as always, I really appreciate you listening in. And if you like this podcast, I'd love it if you left a review on the iTunes page. And then I'll also include show notes at the bottom here as well. Thanks again for tuning in and I will see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you want more information, check out my website at jimsimco.com, J-I-M-S-I-M as in Mary, C-O-E.com for more updates and some free guides to help you make your life epic. With that said, I hope you have a fantastic day and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks.